You're listening to Portfolio Builders, a WealthCap Holdings podcast about long-term wealth building and financial independence. Hey, everybody. Devin here, your host for today's Portfolio Builders podcast. Really excited to have Peter Skaggs back on with us again. Hey, Peter. Hello. Uh, last week we chatted about, we were chatting about, you know, financing investment properties and found out that we have a a mutual nerd love for real estate math. And, uh, you know, kind of were able to dive a little deeper on running numbers. So we could have, I think we could have kept talking for a couple more hours. So I wanted Peter to come back so we could really dive deeper and go into even more detail um, on just all of the tips and tricks when it comes to financing investment properties. So for the folks that maybe um, didn't see the live last week or haven't yet listened to the podcast, why don't you just start off by introducing introducing yourself, like who you are, what you do, and um, you know your investment experience as well. Awesome. Yeah, thank you again for having me, Devin. Um, happy to be here. <clears throat> so uh, my name is Peter Skaggs. I've owned Innovative Mortgage Alliance now for a little over 12 years. Uh, I worked as a, a mortgage banker back in 2008, nine when the industry just fell apart. And uh, and I love real estate. And I, I frankly, I love the math part of real estate. And so um, like we were talking about last week. And, and so I, I started uh, my mortgage company uh, in May of 2009. And uh, it was a rough road there for a few years, uh, but we figured it out, we weathered it, and it's been a tremendous blessing. Uh, what it's allowed me to do is learn a lot about and help a lot of people invest in real estate. I personally have done quite a bit of investing. I, I, have, I own a couple apartment complexes, I own a lot of single family. Uh, I love turnkey and what uh, WealthCap does. I love turnkey because I don't have to worry about it. I can run do my day-to-day thing and you guys can manage it for me. Uh, I've been told I have nice guy-itis. Um, and uh, <laughs> so I'm not the type that can evict a tenant. And so having a great property manager and uh, somebody who can manage those uh, properties, fix the toilets, do all of the other stuff that I don't want to do you know, so that I can do what I, I'm best at, I think I'm best at, and that is helping people with financing. So I've got a lot of single families. I own vacation rentals. I own a commercial building. I own, um, you know, I, I am actually building a home right now. So I've done the lot nice. loan and construction loan. And so do you name it? I've done it. I'm doing it. Uh, I own over 250 doors currently. Uh, and uh, and growing that portfolio all the time, and I'm I'm thrilled to be uh, connected with you, Devin, and and WealthCap, and what you guys do. You're in great markets, and anxious to buy real more real estate through you guys. So that's awesome. I mean, 250 doors. That's a pretty substantial portfolio. So good yeah. job, and okay. I'm inspired. Mine is not that big yet, uh, but it will be someday. Yeah. Um, especially after buy, it helps when you buy a big apartment complex, Devin. <laughs> So yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden you got 160 doors. It's uh, that, that helps the numbers a little bit. So certainly. Yeah. Um, and I know that like with everything that I've learned a ton from you, just from, you know, I don't know, the handful of times that we've spoken and the session that we did last week, I'm really excited for the things that we're going to chat about today. Um, because there are lots of ways that people can really 
maximize the leverage that's available to them. Um, and a lot of these tips and tricks are things that a lot of people don't know. And frankly, a lot of loan officers don't know. Right. Uh, <laughs> I was, I was chatting with another uh, lender friend about you a couple days ago. And I was like, bro, you got to listen to, um, to this interview with Peter, just to learn about all these tips and tricks that'll help, you know, everybody that's trying to invest in real estate, maximize the capital that they have. Um, so I'm going to let you take it away with topic number one, and I'll just jump in with questions as they come to me. If anybody that's watching live has questions, um, just post them in the comments on the Facebook post, and I will do my best to get them in there in front of Peter. And if not, we can answer questions after if we need to reach out to you guys individually. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, last week, we talked a little bit about some of the best options for financing an investment property. And I think we would agree, Devin, that uh, the number one option uh, is, is Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loans. Yeah. Uh, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, because you have these big, massive agencies backing the loan, uh, they can provide just about the best terms you're going to find anywhere. I mean, right now we're talking in the 3%. Uh, for a 30-year fixed investment loan. I mean, just phenomenal options. One of the limitations that we've run into with Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac is that they allow an individual borrower to only have 10 residential loans. So a guy like myself, you know, I, I have my primary residence, I have vacation rental, and I've got, you know, lots of single families. I maxed my 10 Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loans out long time ago, you know, mm -hmm. and so... Uh, I want I want access to those best loans possible, at, at least as much as I possibly can get. Um, but I'm limited. I'm limited to ten properties uh, by Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and so uh, we almost kind of stumbled on uh, dumb luck. Stumbled on a solution for this, and, and we call it a, a ninja a ninja trick. And mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of a cool way. So what what I did is I have all these investment properties and they're generating income. And because I'm busy, I don't have time to worry about the utilities. Our vacation rental, we actually self-manage our, our property. It's in Hawaii and uh, we just use Airbnb and VRBO for that service and, and we self-manage it. And it generates great little income for us. And, you know, uh, and so all of this income comes through a couple LLCs that we own, and then it flows up to a holding company LLC. And we were told to structure it that way by a CPA a um, long time ago, and that's what we did. And so we have all this income comes in, you know, we have these rental properties, they all come into LLCs, uh, those rent checks come into LLCs, and then we move that money up to a holding company, leaving some in reserve. I, I, we can get into that in further detail if we want to later, but Ultimately, then that money flows through to a holding company. I own that holding company 100%. Uh, I have a beautiful wife, and I'm a lucky man. And mm -hmm. I've she, seen her picture. She's she beautiful. is pretty. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, we have three children, and um, she is a rock star mother. And um, but she, she is stay at home right now because we have three young kids. And, uh, and so I had 10 Fannie Mae Freddie Mac loans sitting there in my wife, in my spouse that, uh, you know, we would love to use. And so what we did is we made her the manager 
we made we put her on a W-2 income from our holding company. We pay her a salary uh, for managing all of my investment properties through my uh, company that I own 100%. And because we W-2 her, uh, she now has income and we had to figure out, and that's where a good loan officer is going to help you. You're going to want to spend some time with a good loan officer. I'm glad to be a resource. You're going to have to worry about some housing expenses and whether or not they have a credit card or student loans or other debts that need to be calculated into the income calculation of the debt to income calculation. But ultimately, we figured out what she needed to be paid for a salary. We pay her that salary. And now she's able to go buy uh, uh, properties. Uh, investment properties using her income and using Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac financing. And so we are almost, I think we're close to tapping out on her 10. And then I'll have to figure out something else, non-QM like we talked about last week or some of the other options, paying cash or whatever it might be. Um, but, you know, it's given me the opportunity to now have, instead of just 10 Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loans, I can get in theory 20, 10 gotcha. between the two of us. So, so question, the properties that you're buying in your wife's name and are the, like the debt is in her name. Is the title also going in her name? Yeah, and initially like it is. Yeah, initially it is. But then we convert it over to an LLC. That LLC then is held by the, uh, the holding company that I own. And again, I want to stress that I own that holding company hundred percent. If she owns some of it, it doesn't work. And gotcha. so uh, but yes, that's correct, Evan. Uh, she buys the property just like, you know, when we normally do a Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loan, she buys the property. It's in her name. She personally guarantees it. Uh, but then we roll it over into an LLC for protection, uh, for tax purposes, uh, et cetera. And then that LLC is held by our holding company. So that income just keeps flowing up to the holding company. So, gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's good stuff. There are some uh, some things to be aware of on there that, uh, you know, that I highly recommend. Uh, you know, I love my wife and, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, I'm a super fan, but uh, we don't want to name our LLCs after our wives, you know, so it, it, my, my wife's name is Linda. So I don't want to name it Linda LLC or even L Skaggs LLC or P&L Skaggs LLC or anything of that nature. You want to avoid that. It just raises eyebrows with the lenders, the underwriters. A lot of the underwriters don't know what to do with it. We've run into this. So we recommend just create something completely random or, you know, obscure. Um, you know, we, we happen to buy a number of property, a number of our properties are in St. Louis. So we'll do something like, you know, St. Louis uh, Properties LLC or whatever the name might be, just so that it doesn't have necessarily a tie. Um, so that that's something you want to make sure. Uh, the other things that you want to do is you want to make sure that the payroll is run, you know, ideally through some sort of payroll company that you've got a good digital pay stub that it look, you know, it is legitimate payroll. Yeah. Uh, and, and I would suggest too, that along with that, that you're, as much as we're doing this to help my wife qualify, we're really paying her because she manages all these properties for me. You know, she's the one that has to call up and get the utilities switched over or, you know, make sure that, 
um, we green light some sort of repair that might be over 50 or 100 bucks or whatever. You know, so mm -hmm. she's the one that the property manager is calling. She's the one setting people up to get into our vacation rental, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So she's actually, she is working. And mm -hmm. so, you know, we, we want to make sure when we set them up with a W-2 wage that, you know, it's not fraud. You know, we're not trying to just do, take advantage as much as it is a ninja skill, we want to make sure that, uh, you know, it's legitimate, that they uh -huh. are helping us. So we, her title is property manager, and, and that's what she does for me. Property manager and marketing is what we have her um, title as. So, um, it, but it, it's a phenomenal way to go as an investor and get a handful of more Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loans, um, you know, worked out for you. So let me, I was just looking at my notes here just to make sure I, I, uh, I covered everything as it relates to that specific topic. I think I have there. Um, do you have any questions on that before we move on, Devin? I don't think so. I mean, the main thing that I was thinking was, you know, the, the question that I asked about were the, the properties that you were financing in your wife's name, were they going back into the kind of original structure or did you start some kind of secondary structure with those, but you answered that. Um, yeah. So that's really the the main question. And I, you know, I love that you also made the point, like, make sure <laughs> the yeah. spouse is like actually participating in, in some of these activities. You know, Peter is a brilliant loan officer, um, but you're not an accountant or an attorney, neither am I. So, you know, the things that we're sharing with you are based on our own experience and, and stuff that we've learned. Um, but like, you know, don't yeah. be dumb. Yeah, don't be dumb. Yeah. Don't be dumb. Yeah, no, it's it's a phenomenal, phenomenal um way to uh, you know quickly add some amazing financing uh options to you and, and build your pipeline, you know, looking 20% down, 3% interest, you know, three and something, yeah, three and a half or whatever interest rates are right now on the investment properties, you know, for 30-year fixed mortgages. I mean, it's yeah. just phenomenal stuff. And so it's going to really, really, really help you accelerate your game uh, in investing. Uh, but yeah, don't be dumb. Um, don't be dumb. I want, and I like, I want as many of those loans as I can get. And right. I'm not married yet, but um, I could potentially do a similar type of thing, I would think, with my sister, who yes. is a stay-at-home mom. If she wanted to jump in and help, and that actually might might be a huge help, Ashley, if you're watching. Yeah. Um, I'm calling you later. Uh, <laughs> uh, but essentially you could do the same thing with like another family member, right? Like exactly. that work. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, legitimate payroll. Ashley's helping you do some things, you know, a little bit of marketing here, there, just those, you know, whatever those tasks might be that you agree to, uh, but you can absolutely put her on payroll. And, uh, and as long as again, it's legitimate, uh, we have found, uh, Devin, I don't, I don't know that there's a rule or a guideline to this, but we have found that about 90 days of payroll is about the sweet spot that you want to, you know, if I want to buy a property for my wife in August, uh, I probably should have put her on payroll somewhere back in May or June, you know, so that she has three, two or three pay stubs um, if we're paying her monthly. Um, you know, she has two or three pay stubs, you know, usually 60, 90 days is kind of where you want to have 
that way there's a year to date. They can see some consistency, a little bit of history. Just all those things make the lender a little more comfortable. The other ideal is, is that that, um, that person that my wife had a work history uh, before she uh, stayed at home, before we had our first child. And so uh, we also have provided work history, even though it was, you know, 13 years ago was the last yeah. time she worked. Even though it was 13 years ago, we provided that history so that they could see that she has worked uh, outside of the home. And uh, I don't know why that makes a difference, but it seems to make a difference. I mean, I, she worked harder now as a mother than she did. For sure. Know, but, but ultimately, they like to know that she worked outside of the home, had a W-2 wage previously. So we provided a little bit of job history there, as well as the new history. And, uh, and, and we were off and running. It's, it's worked really, really well for us. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I have a guy in mind I'm thinking of that, like, he needs to get his brother or something because he's about to be at his 10. Um, or, you know, I know one of the next topics that we're going to talk about are the non-QM loans. So maybe that will help him out too. Um, but yeah, super, super awesome advice on the basically doubling your Fannie Freddie availability with, with the spouse trick there. Perfect. And so, um, next topic that I would bring up another one that, uh, we are experiencing, seeing a lot of is appreciation. I'm sure in the markets you guys are in, you're seeing a lot of appreciation, right, Devin? Oh yeah. There's a house that we're, um, we're looking at right now. We're about to finish up the rehab from the time that we first pulled comps mm, a couple months ago to now the value has gone up like $50,000. So now we're having to make the call like this, should we even have this as an investment property anymore? Or, right. or does it really, it might make more sense for an owner occupant uh, yep. if we, you know, or we have all that equity if we keep it. We have all that equity uh, and we can tap into that equity down the road, which yeah. I think is what you're about to talk about. That's kind of, yeah, that's kind of where we're headed. You know, uh, we are all experiencing this across the country. We all have a lot, a lot of equity. And I'm always hesitant to um, encourage people to pull equity out of their primary residence. Um, but that is a, a, a phenomenal place to first look. You know, primary residence, um, you know, you're, you're likely seeing a lot of appreciation. You can pull cash out. It is super cheap to pull cash out right now um, of that and get that cash working for you. The reality is, as you pull cash out, you still are getting all of the appreciation. You get tax benefits there. Your interest rate's gonna be phenomenally low. You might even be able to drop your payment uh, depending on where, what your current financing circumstances are. We're converting a lot of people from 15 year to back to 30 year fixed mortgages. So they keep their monthly payments super low, pulling cash out to go and invest. But what I wanted to bring up is that a lot of us forget, you know, we go and buy a turnkey property and starts generating some income for us. And we forget really where it's at or what the balance is. We don't look again at the, the value of those, um, those properties. Uh, I know I'm that way. You know, you kind of set it and forget it. The idea is it's passive income, right? And so to a large degree, we just set it and forget it. Devin's taking care of, you know, WealthCap's taking care of my property. I don't have to think about it. Um, I just collect the checks on a monthly basis and I hope that they never call me about a toilet and it needs to be replaced. Right. (laughs) So, 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 uh, but we have a ton of value in those. And so there are 
in uh, opportunities now to get HELOCs, home equity line of credit on investment properties. You're going to be a little bit limited on the loan to value or the combined loan to value. You'll see a CLTV. You can be a little bit limited on that, but if you have enough equity in some of those properties, you can get a, com you know, a combined loan to value. My experience is about 70% of the value of the property you can get. And so you, you, you calculate what is the value of the property. Let's say it's 200,000 to do simple math. 200,000, well, 70% of that's 140. Maybe you only owe 100 on that. So you could get a line of credit for the difference, that $40,000 difference between the 140 and the 100,000 you already owe. So you get a $40,000 line of credit. Well, Devin, I, I suspect that that $40,000 is going to buy it, be a down payment for another property, right? I mean, that's- Yep, yep. Yeah. You're going yep, to be yep. able to go buy another property financing. You're going to be have 20, 25% to put down on that next property. Um, and so that is a phenomenal option. Uh, those those home equity lines of credit on investment properties are starting to pop up. A number of banks have those options available. The other one that I would, um, I think is a better solution, in my opinion, is to do a cash out uh, refinance on your investment property. I've been doing a lot of this. I, I did actually in, on a number of my properties. I did one on my vacation rental. I harvested a lot of my equity to get it working for me because I still get the tax benefits. I get the write-offs. I get, you know, I get all of the appreciation from that home just because I have a bigger mortgage doesn't mean I don't get all the appreciation and things that are happening in that property. So I'm pulling cash out. I'm locking in a new 30 year fixed mortgage at, you know, a high threes, maybe a percent interest rate, high threes and in an interest rate for 30 years. Uh, I'm cash flowing still. I'm taking that equity. And, you know, I just took, I, I think I did six, five or six of my properties. I think it was six. I think I ended up on six properties and I got like 10,000 out of one and 20,000 out of another and 5,000 out of another. It helped me to have the down payment for a couple more turnkey properties. And we're, we actually just bought one. We paid cash for it. Uh, I'll get into why we did that here in a second. But uh, we were able to get enough together to pay cash for another mm -hmm. turnkey property. So Something you want to be aware of is tap into that equity. Look at, you know, you want to know your numbers, make sure mm -hmm. that it doesn't screw things up on when it comes to a cash flow and, and, and you know, and, and making sure you have money in reserve, et cetera, et cetera. But ultimately, there is a lot of equity in a lot of these homes right now, especially if you've had something in your portfolio for more than about a year. Um, yeah. Go use for that. For sure. And I, I fall into a different school of thought when it comes to HELOCing your primary. Um, that's just me personally, but like a lot of investors that we work with, they, you know, quite a few, they live in the Bay area, Seattle, Denver, there's literally, you know, three, four, five, sometimes, you know, almost a million dollars unproductive in the house. And again, do the math and see what makes the most sense. But if you do maybe even a first position HELOC on that house, pay off the mortgage, have a first position HELOC, and then you've got a chunk of cash that you can play with, you know, do the math. If the arbitrage makes sense, do it. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's my thought. Because uh, getting to me, getting the cash productive, that's not productive in my primary residence. And I definitely fall in the, um, you know, the Kiyosaki school of thought that my, my primary is basically always a liability. liability. Yep. It's a liability. So I can either 
leverage the liability to make that cash productive and arbitrage the expense, you know, if I can, um, and just do the math on it and see what makes, what makes sense. I've got a, a couple right now that they're buying their, they're nearing retirement. They're on, they're going to be on fixed income. They had a primary that was, you know, they had quite a bit of equity in it, got a HELOC and they're about to close on their second turnkey. And by tapping in that equity in their primary, because income from their W-2 jobs, you know, it would take a while to yeah. save up. Um, they're now protecting their retirement years by tapping into that equity. But it depends on what makes sense. You know, if you think you're going to move in two years, then I may not HELOC that primary if you're not going to have it paid off very quickly, you know? And, and uh, I want to be clear too. Uh, I agree with you 100%. So uh, just personally, uh, just proof is in the pudding, right? Yeah. I, I paid off my house years ago um, that I live in. So I own it free and clear. And I paid that off. That was my number one goal. It was kind of the Dave Ramsey school of thought. You know, this mm -hmm. was this is five or six years ago now. I paid it off. Dave Ramsey school of thought I wanted to be free and clear. I paid it off and it was a great day. We took pictures out in front of the bank. Uh, you know, it was it was one of those things. And then about, I don't know, it was probably a week later, I thought. I'm, I think that was the dumbest decision I've ever made in my life. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, 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 so I immediately started getting a HELOC on my house. So I've got a great big, huge first lien HELOC on my house. Now, uh, it, I currently have used it so that I pulled a bunch of cash out of investment properties and then used my HELOC to feel the difference to pay cash for my most recent purchase on Turnkey. Um, so I use my HELOC, but I pay it off pretty quickly too, you know, so yeah. I'm, I'm constantly kind of using it, um, that coupled with a whole life insurance policy. I often use that as well. And that's a powerful concept that we should go through. That you should go through sometime you know, at infinite banking. I, I believe yeah. in that as well. And, yeah. and HELOC can act kind of in a similar way. Uh, buying real estate is a tremendous hedge. Uh, you know, if you think about buying a house today, you know, you're, you're locking in, in essence, the dollars and the value of those dollars today. Tomorrow, those dollars are going to be worth less due to inflation and things. And so yeah. if you can lock something in today at the value it is today versus Kiyosaki, he says savers are losers. And that's what he's talking about, right? He's talking about, you know, if you keep money in a bank account, it's losing value every day. But if you totally. can put it into real estate, that real estate is generating a cash flow. It's appreciating. It's, you know, you've, you've hedged uh, against inflation and, and you're going to be making money. You're going to get those dollars making money for you. And ultimately they're still there, should be still there in that property. If you ever need to do pull them out by selling the property or doing a cash out refinance or whatever it might be, that, that cash is still there and available to you. Yeah. So, cool. So love HELOCs. Um, the, yes. we talked about last week, the ROI versus ROA effect. And so some people, and I probably fall a little bit into this category that I, I want my personal life. I kind of treat my personal life separate of my investing business life, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, if you want to pay off your house, I fully support that. I get it. You know, go pay off your house, but be aware that there is, you know, you're giving up some dollars to have that peace of mind or that ROA uh, yeah. that return on attention. You know, so you'll give something up and you're absolutely right, Devin. It's, you know, mathematically speaking, it always makes more sense to pull the equity out of your primary residence and get it working for you. But sometimes it's not about the math. 
you know, totally agree. You know, what's in yeah. your heart and what's in your mind, what your goal is. So yeah, right. absolutely. Cool. Uh, next thing that the next tip, uh, is just alternative lending. I felt like we covered this pretty well last week, but I just wanted to touch on this. You know, one thing that I, 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 it's no longer a surprise to me, but it was at first when I started, um, you know, people are, my investors that work with me are always concerned about what am I going to do after I tap my Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac loans out? And they haven't even bought their first investment yet. Why don't we worry about that 10 years from now when you've bought your 10th property or whatever it might be, you know, five years from now, let's worry about that. But I, I want to address that very quickly. So there are phenomenal loan options for investors who have reached their 10 Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loans. Or, and, you know, if you've got your spouse and she's got her or he or she has got their 10 as well, you've now tapped your 20 properties out. What do you do next? And so you and I spoke a little bit about non-QM last week. QM stands for Qualified Mortgage. It falls under the Frank Dodd or Dodd-Frank Act. Um, the Dodd-Frank Act, you have to meet certain criteria for the mortgage to be qualified mortgage. Well, there's a space now. It left a void. When, when uh, Dodd-Frank came out, they said basically it has to be a 30-year fix, no prepayment penalties. Um, you know, it has to, you know, has to meet certain criteria. You have to get a full documentation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it left this void for a lot of us self-employed individuals, for investors who want to do more, you know, uh, and, and so these non-QM lenders have filled that void. Um, and, and so they are not backed by Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, these massive agencies. And so as a result, they tend to be a little more, you know, the interest rates tend to be slightly higher. Sometimes mm-hmm. the terms tend to be a little more strict, but I have actually found that these products are phenomenal. Um, and they allow you to buy your 11th and 12th and 15th and 20th and 100th loan um, through some of these non-QM lenders. They are very, very good. You're looking at like 4% interest rate um, on a 30-year fix. You're looking at 20 to 25% down. Um, I mean, it's really just some, you know, great options for us, um, you know, on, on non-QM stuff. We, we talked last week about asset-based. Uh, we have a few non-QM lenders that do what's called asset-based lending. They're, they're going to make sure that you have some money in reserve. They're going to make sure that you have a history of paying debts, and they do that by pulling your credit. Ultimately, mm-hmm. though, beyond that, they're looking at the property. Is the property going to cash flow? Are they comfortable with the investment? And they're really going to look at the asset itself uh, and they're going to set the terms based on that asset. So I'm looking here. I, I, had writ- I went and looked at some interest rates on this yesterday in preparation for this. Uh, 20% down, assuming pretty good credit, you're looking at a 4.5% on a 30-year fixed mortgage. There wow. is a three-year three prepayment penalty, but you can buy out of that. You can also buy that rate down, Devin, if you wanted to get a lower rate that you felt like you're going to hold on to that property for a long time, like we talked about last week. Um, yeah. You know, then you can buy that rate down as well. So uh, one thing to be aware Those of- Those are great terms. Yeah. Those were no. traditional terms last right? year. Yes. Yes. You know, I, like- When I started my business, I was doing my friends and family a favor and I was getting them a five and a half percent interest rate. You know, yeah. years ago. So, I mean, here we are, non-QM stuff's going to be, you know, 4%, four and a half, depending on how you handle it. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. Like that's insane. And only 20%. Is there a minimum 
minimum loan amount, yes, like 100 that's what I was going to say. Yes, uh, that is the one thing that we're finding with non-QM. Most of them, uh, it's a minimum of a $100,000 loan amount. So you're looking at somewhere around, you know, $125,000 purchase price, um, you know, be, be, you know, in order to be able to use one of these. I, I, I think I have one lender that'll go down to 75,000 on an exception basis if it's the right asset. So um, just be aware of that. You know, you need to be looking at $125,000 purchase price or greater, uh, typically to make these non-QMs work. That, that has been the one limitation we've found. Um, they just don't receive enough of a return on their investment uh, to lend much less than that. So. Yeah, and that, that totally makes sense. Um, do you find that a lot of those lenders, do they need the properties to be already rented or do they just like pull a rent schedule yeah, uh, to verify so, the income? Yeah, a lot of them do pull a rent schedule. They're going to do a rent schedule. You're going to use a rent schedule. They like that. Um, again, the, the typical customer is somebody like myself who's maxed their 10 Fannie Freddies out. And so, you know, they want to know that I have uh, landlord history experience. Um, and, and so they're going to use the rent history based on my landlord experience. If you're buying, uh, you're using non-QM and it's your first time doing the loan, sometimes they're going to want to see that there is a tenant before they're willing to, they want to see a lease agreement before they're willing to use that rental. Uh, gotcha. So, yeah. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, good stuff. Uh, last one that I wanted to highlight very quickly was just, I, I think we spoke briefly about this last week as well, Devin, but uh, it's, you know, it's what I would refer to as a better than cash out refinance. Uh, we, we hear it termed delayed financing or deferred financing. Uh, yes. Basically, the idea is I paid cash for my property. The reason I paid cash is because it's a highly competitive market right now. And I want my turnkey provider to look at uh, give me preferential treatment because I'm a spoiled <laughs> brat. So <laughs> I want that property, it's my property. And so, so I made a cash offer. And, uh, and as a result of that cash offer, I can close within seven days. You know, um, they like that. They know that I, we're not gonna have- Yes, we do. <laughs> appraisal <laughs> issues or whatnot, right? So- uh -huh. So as a result, I, I chose to do that. And I used my HELOC and some cash out from some investment properties to pay uh, for that. And then the cool thing is, is that you can do one of two things. Um, if, if the property is basically done and I'm buying it at market value, I can turn around and immediately, day one, I can start refinancing to pull that cash back out and put it back into my pocket. Uh, you, the only downside in my experience on this is that you can only go to 75% versus if you bought it with financing, you could go to 80%. But otherwise, the terms are basically the same. They do not treat it as cash out necessarily. You can do it from day one that you own the property. Be aware, however, the big, big hiccup here is uh, a lot of us investors, me included, uh, will buy a property and fairly quickly roll it into an LLC. And mm -hmm. so there's now a change of title and that causes issues with this deferred financing. So if you're going to do deferred financing, keep it in your name for the 30 days until you get your cash out, you get your cash back in hand and then put it into the LLC. That's the one hiccup that we've seen that has caused issues um, with yeah. this deferred financing. Otherwise, it's awesome because you get great interest rates. 
phenomenal terms. You can get your money right back out and back working for you, you know, mm -hmm. very, very rapidly. And so uh, I like deferred financing. So I told you there's two ways to do this. The other thing you might consider is, hey, you know, Devin, she sold me this property and, you know, we went under contracted on it, you know, 60 days ago. And since then, it's gone up in value by 50 grand or whatever it might be, right? And mm -hmm. so the other thing you can do is when you pay cash, if you wait six months, then you can use the appraised value. If you refinance within that first six months, you're going to use the lower of the appraised value or the purchase price. And so if you feel like the appraised value is higher than the purchase price and you want to tap that equity, uh, then what you need to do is you just wait till six months. And, and the reality is you just close at the six months. So a lot of times we're starting that loan process at month five so that at the six month mark, we're closing on that. They're pulling 75% of the appraised value out. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of cases, you know, they're getting better than uh, 20%, you know, they're 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 getting better than what they would have otherwise put into the property out of it. I, I, I don't yeah. know if that makes sense, but you know, oh, hey, totally. Maybe, yeah, maybe I would have put thirty grand in. Well, this way now I only have twenty grand in the deal. You mm -hmm. know, and so now I've got because I was patient for six months. The really cool thing too is Devin, you guys are going to rent that place, and so I'm going to get full rent checks instead of having a mortgage payment that's going. You know, so I get full rent checks for those first four or five months. You know, so that's really nice. I'm getting great big checks. And then I get a bunch back out and that might allow me to go buy that next property, that next turnkey, just that much quicker as well. Uh, it, it's basically a reward for waiting six months uh, to get your cash out if you think the value is there. Yeah, that, I mean, it makes perfect sense to me. Um, and we have a lot of investors that like to do that. They like to pay cash and then finance later because sometimes you know, inventory is tight. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. We have, we have a lot of clients. Um, so, you know, if a couple of people are going after the same deal and one of them can pay cash, like he's going to win, yeah. not just in this game, but like in the real estate game in general, if you're ever up against, you know, a cash buyer versus finance buyer, like the cash guy is always going to win. Yep. So if you come across a really good deal and you have the liquidity to do that and you know that's a good deal, I say do for it. I like go for it. I'm a, a big fan of the um the delayed financing, you know, doing it right away or waiting the six months, just depending. Personally, I don't know if I would wait the six months. I might just do 75% loan to cost what I paid, just get 75% back right now and go do another deal. Yeah. Um, but it has to be worth your time, a, right? You run the numbers. Yeah. If you think 50 grand's in there and you're going to get now 75% of 50 grand, you know, that 40 grand might, or whatever that is at the $38,000 might be worth it. You know, it might yeah. be worth waiting for six months. Um, but yeah, it's just a matter of what's right for you. What's the best thing for you. So, yeah, totally. Uh, um, I do have some questions that have popped in. So I'm going to start firing them off to you. First, there was somebody who posted a question last week that I saw after we finished. Okay. Um, and they asked the question, and this is, you know, just your personal opinion. What do you think about using 401, 401k money to invest in real estate? I literally just had this conversation with a client, like right before we jumped on this call. Perfect. And I am, Peter Skaggs is a fan of it. 
Mm-hmm. If you go talk to your financial Always planner, Devin. <laughs> yeah, if you talk to your financial planner, they're not going to be a fan and they're going to tell you all the reasons why. But the reality is, is that one of the most powerful things about real estate that you don't have in a 401k is control. I have got control of my money when I own real estate. I can sell that real estate anytime I want. I can refinance it. I can do whatever I want with it. And it's generating cash flow for me now versus a 401k. I'm waiting to someday. And you and I both know people that didn't make it to someday. You know, they never realized the ability to use that money to benefit their life. Now I'm living life today. And, uh, and as a result, I want, I want to have my financial portfolio helping me live my life today. I get to go on a trip. My wife's turning 40. I hope that's okay to say. Uh, so I, she already did it. So I did it. Oh, well, cat's out of the bag. She looks like she's 30, but uh, she turned looks 40 great. here in a couple 24, weeks. 24, 24. Like. 24, yeah. She, uh, we're going to take her for a couple weeks, uh, you know, and we're going to go have a great old time uh, for her birthday. And I can only do that because I don't have a bunch of money that's waiting until I turn 62 or 65 or 70 to mm-hmm. start using. The other thing is, is that in my portfolio, uh, because I've bought properties, um, you know, turnkey properties, like what WealthCap sells, uh, I'm getting, you know, probably 30, 35, 40% return on my money. 401k is never going to be able to generate that for me. I get that through cash flow. I'm looking, I usually get about a 10% cash on cash. Um, yep. maybe, maybe nine, maybe eight, but I, somewhere in there, uh, I'm getting 10% cash on cash. I get all sorts of tax benefits. I get appreciation. And right now I'm getting a lot of appreciation. And then I have that leverage that's generating me, you know, that, that I can take advantage of, so I can go buy more properties. And so as a result, I'm getting great returns on my money. So yes, there's a 10% penalty. Yes, you'll have to pay taxes, but I would highly encourage you to consider that. Uh, doing that and getting that money working for you in a much, much, much more efficient way in real estate. I, I'm just, I'm so big on real estate. I, I just, I don't control the market. I can't evict yeah. a business owner. You know, I go invest in Apple and, you know, and I don't like how they're running the show. I can't go kick them out. I don't have yeah. any say, you know, uh, but yeah. you know, I, I buy a real estate property and I don't like how they're treating my house. You know, I go evict them. You know, I can get rid of them, you know, and so I have much more control. So long, long answer there. I'm passionate about that. Totally agree with you. And if, you know, if you happen to be a a W-2 and your employer matches the contribution, do that because that's free money. And that match, that contribution will cover whatever penalties you're going to pay to, you know, take a loan or cash out, whatever you need to do to access that money in your 401k to then put it in another vehicle. I have, uh, I have an amazing client that that's where she has a really good benefits plan at her job in a 401k. Um, but what, every time that she can, she takes it out. She puts it into a, I think it's called a, a qualified retirement plan, which is yep. similar to an IRA type structure. Yep. And then she calls me and she's like, Devin, what kind of houses do you have right now? Pays fat cash for them and then finances them later, yep. you know, to get some leverage. But she's basically taking free money from her employer backed by, you know, she's also making contributions herself, but 
why not take the free money that's on the table? And if you don't like the stock market, if you don't like the 401k that you have no control over, which I totally agree, I like having control, um, then put it into something else that makes more sense to you. And, and so I love what you're saying. Uh, I'll play the devil's advocate because I enjoy that role here. That, that, All right, that. let's go. I, 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 have done, I have done the math dozens of times. Um, it is better for you to get all of your paycheck and leave that two or 3% that the employer's matching, leave it on the table, let them keep it. It's better for you to keep that money, get that money to come to you and go buy real estate with it. You will get a much greater return. I've done that math lots of times. Uh, you get a better return. And, and that sounds so counterintuitive, but mm -hmm. the reality is, is in a 401k, you might generate a 10% return. Even if you're in one of these self-directed um, self directed 401k plans that qualified retirement accounts. Again, I'm not a financial planner. I'm not a CPA, you know, I, all yeah. of those disclaimers. But, but ultimately, even if it goes into one of those, I would prefer you get the money personally and then go buy real estate with it personally, because you don't get some of the tax benefits if it's through a self-directed uh, 401k or, or otherwise. So you can go buy, you know, into a REIT or go buy real estate, but then you don't get some of the bang for your buck there. And so uh, again, you do you, you do what's right for you. You do what's simplest and easiest. And, but I've done the math a lot. And uh, I can tell you the best thing to do is get all those dollars coming to you and then go buy real estate on your own. So there you go. Well, so, and I think like the, the point of do the math, like that's what, that's what makes the most sense. Yes. You know, I don't know if there's a possibility where somebody's like, if they're capped in any capacity yeah. where it might, might make more sense to take the money or not, but that's what that individual investor does. And, um, it's working really well for her, but oh. on everything, I totally agree with do the math. Like we should, yeah. that should be the new wealth cap. Um, like, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, slogan or whatever, do the yeah. math and, and do what makes sense. Yeah, um, don't, be stupid. Yeah. don't, don't yeah. be stupid and do the math. Like that's, that's everything that I've learned in the last decade, pretty yeah, much. So. Um, okay. So another, here's a question. How does an interest only loan work and what are the benefits of the loan? Interest only is what it says. Now, typically interest only is for a period of time. So if you have a $100,000 loan amount, as an example, and you have a 4% interest only, uh, you have a 4% interest rate, uh, interest only payment would be 4% times $100,000. So that's $4,000 divided by 12 months. So that's going to be, what is that? 30, you know, $333.33 every month that you're going to pay. So what happens though, is at the end of the interest only period, assuming you've only made the interest only payments, usually those interest only periods are five years, seven years, 10 years. At the end of that, you still owe a hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars. And so uh, that's the thing to be aware of. And now a lot of times like HELOCs are very, you know, uh, I love HELOCs for this reason. They are interest only so I can control my payments usually smaller, my required payments usually smaller. Um, and so that allows me to cash flow a little quicker, a little easier. But ultimately, uh, you got to be aware that at the end of that interest only period, 10 years down the road, you're now got typically like 20 years, you know, if you have a 30 year amortization, 10 years of that's interest only. Well, now you've only got 20 years left to pay back the $100,000 
plus the, you know, whatever the interest rate is, plus the interest. And so now you go from $333 up to maybe $600 or $700, you're going to get a little bit of a payment shock at the end of that life cycle. But, you know, you can refinance or you can pay it off or you can do whatever else. So that's how an interest only payment works. Uh, yeah. Very, very cool because they're low payments, but you just want to be aware of that, that you're not paying any principal back uh, yeah. for the period of time that yeah, you have it. I just always kind of think of those as more like a, a temporary, it's a yeah. temporary thing. If it'll be a great placeholder for five years while you're doing whatever you're doing, yep. you know, then um, it can make, it can make a lot of sense. And the reality uh, is you're going to not have that mortgage most likely for the term, you know, you're, you're going to refinance in five years, seven years, 10 years, you know, you're going to yeah. sell the house. You're going to, you know, so don't be afraid of them. Just no, go in with eyes wide open. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Totally. Uh, okay. So, um, another question you mentioned having vacation rentals. I have heard two things about putting money down on vacation rentals. One, you can buy a vacation home as a second home and put less down and then use it as a vacation rental. Or two, if you intend to buy a home as a vacation rental, you need to buy it as an investment property and put 20% down. Correct. 20% down. Which one is correct? Yeah. Uh, so the answer is both are correct. There you yes. go. Uh, so you can buy it as a second home. The, the requirement on a second home is that you are going to occupy it for 14 days out of the year. So my Hawaii property, I now am required to go to Hawaii for at least 14 days every year. Darn it. Cute. In Darn. order to keep that second home status. Uh, but uh, so uh, and on a second home, you can put as little as 10% down. Uh, the financing terms on that are much, uh, not much, but they are better, a quarter percent or so better interest rate than on a, an investment property. Mm -hmm. If you are truly buying it as just a vacation rental and you don't intend to use it occupied in any way, uh, then buying it as an investment property is the right thing to do. And then you're going to be 20% down. So, uh, so the answer is that both, and we, we've helped people finance both ways uh, on those vacation rentals. So if you're yeah. buying, and the other thing you got to be aware of, vacation rentals have to be in resort areas. They have to be a, a, a far enough distance away. There's no actual guideline on what the distance is, but generally lenders will say somewhere between 50 and 100 miles from your current residence. So I have Park City up the road from me here. It's 20 miles up the road from me. Uh, I could buy there because it's a resort town. But uh, then there's also, you know, some other neighborhoods, you know, there's Provo is about 20 miles south of here, you know, so same distance, but I couldn't buy a, uh, you know, second home in Provo because it's not a resort town. Yeah. I'd have to go further south. I'd have to go 50 to 100 miles south of here uh, in order to do that in a non-resort town. So I hope that makes sense. But um, so the, the, the answer there is that you need to have, you know, needs to fit certain criteria in order for it to be qualified as a second home. And if it is a second home, then you can buy it that way. And uh, you can put as little as 10% down. The other thing to be aware of is like my Hawaii property does really well for me. And I, we love having it. I'd love to buy another one in the same complex as a condo, you know, and so it's, it's you know, with the pool and all the amenities. I'd love yeah. to buy another property in there, but I couldn't buy the second one as a second home because you have, I have a second home there, but it's on Kauai. If I wanted to buy one on Maui, I could do that, you know? And so, 
So there's some things that I think you should do that. Uh, <laughs> there you go. I'm gonna tell my wife you said so, Devin. <laughs> Ask her if if you guys need like a design consultant. Because I go. could come and do that. Okay. Please. Done. All right. Okay. <laughs> um okay, so here's a question. Um it says, what do you think about using cash advances from credit cards to use as down payments for investments? Cliff's Notes version of what I think is for buy and hold, that's not going to work because uh, the interest is too high. It's not going to work. Uh, but curious what you what you think, Peter. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Devin. I, I would say it this way. There have been a lot of mega millionaires, super wealthy that have started on credit cards, you know, so, um, you know, but I, I think more people than not get themselves into a spot and that they don't ever intend to get, they think they're going to work their way out of it. They're going to hustle their way out of it. I think the better way to do it is to go get a side hustle, go, go, you know, deliver pizzas, go, you know, work, you know, a second job, go, Go do something that generates a little bit extra income and start putting that income away. Eat, you know, Dave Ramsey uses the, the phrase beans and rice, rice and beans, eat rice and beans, stop eating out, stop going and getting the expensive lattes, you know, put that money aside and figure out a way to do it that way. The reality too is, and I, I you know, uh, the risk of a preaching again here, um, the reality is you don't need cash to buy real estate. You know, if you, you, they, they say you need three things. I, I, I'm going to slaughter this here a little bit, but you need the deal, you need the experience, and you need the money. And, and really what you need is just two of those three. You can always find the third one. So if you have, you know, if you have experience and money, somebody's bound to have a deal for you. If yeah. you have, uh, you know, if you have a deal and experience, somebody's bound to have money for you. You know, I mean, so you, you need those three things in a, in a real estate transaction. If you have all three, great, you're golden. But ultimately, you really only need two of them in order to be able to get a deal done. So go find a good deal and, uh, and get some experience and then go find somebody who has capital. Go raise some capital. Go talk to friends and family and say, I have found a phenomenal piece of property. I know it's going to cash flow. I'd like to split that cash flow with you. And uh, all I need is 20 grand or whatever it might be, you know, yeah. get them to come in and help you. Um, so I think that would be a better way. Go side hustle, go raise capital, go do something else. Uh, and don't use your cash advances on your credit card. That's just, it's a, that you're, you're kind of playing with a loaded gun there, in my opinion. It's a slippery slope. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like if you already have a TV show on HGTV, like, as a major, you know, real estate guru, and you want to use a credit card, um, like do that. Cause you've probably proven that you're not going to fall on your face doing it, but just from flips that I have done investing that I have done on my own and hearing stories from all the people that I talk to, like part of getting experience is making mistakes that cost money. And I don't want to make those mistakes at 26% interest. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that, that's exactly how I feel. I just, it, it, it becomes too deep a hole to dig yourself out of uh, yeah. very, very, very quickly. So painful. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> don't yeah. do it. Yeah. Don't do it. Wow. Well, that was awesome. I'm so 
I'm so glad we got to like go into a little bit more detail on all of those topics. And we had some people pop in with questions today. Uh, the girl that was asking about the vacation rentals uh, looks very excited. She said, oh, that's awesome. So thank you so much, Peter, for be, being able to help out some of our, um, some of our audience and yeah. clients right here on the spot. So for anybody that's needing help with lending solutions that wants to chat with you, um, why don't you share with everybody how they can get in touch? Thanks, Devin. Yeah, so uh, we would love to help them. Uh, InnovativeRates.com, R-A-T-E-S. InnovativeRates.com is our website. And uh, you can call me directly, text me. My cell phone number is 801-664-1079. Again, 801-664-1079 or hit us on InnovativeRates.com. I'm Peter S. as in Skaggs, Peter S. at InnovativeRates.com. So I'd love to talk to anybody, even if it's, you know, we're licensed in 17, 18 states and uh, commit, serve a lot of people. But even if it's in a state that we're not yet in, Maine, you want to buy a vacation rental in Maine, call me. Let me help you. Let me give you advice. Let me assist you um, because there's just, unfortunately, there's some great loan officers out there, but there's some not so great loan officers out there too. And so let's just make sure you get the right information uh, armed with the right information that you can make those wise decisions financially. So, totally. I agree with that a thousand percent. And I say the same thing about, you know, folks that are, if they're investing, if they're thinking about investing, no matter what you're thinking about doing, like shoot me a message and let me see if I can help you because there are a lot of people Yeah. <laughs> and I don't mean to throw my fellow realtors under the bus, but a lot of them don't know squat about investment property uh, unless they're an investor themselves. So just be careful where you're getting your advice from. But if you're interested in buying turnkey or you want to learn about, um, you know, some of the other opportunities that might be available for investing with WealthCap. I'm pretty easy to find wealthcapholdings.com backslash waitlist will take you to my calendar. And if you're not yet in the real estate portfolio builders, Facebook group, if you're listening to the podcast and you're not yet in our Facebook group, please join. We have trainings like this all the time for you guys. Lots of great content um, deals when they come available and uh, yeah, just let us know how we can help you. Thanks again so much for your time, Peter. It's been a blast and we will, we're probably going to have you on again soon because you are so. a wealth of information and I learn a ton um, and I like the healthy debates about, yeah. you know, <laughs> what, which, which way to go with your money. We might have to like get our whiteboards out and duel it out with our, yeah. our math. We'll get the calculators, yep. Put on the green <laughs> visors and, uh, and put yeah. in the pocket protectors, yep. And, and get, and after get it. it. All right. Okay. We'll see you next time, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks, Thanks for listening. Discover how you can start building wealth with real estate, even without experience, in our free book, Why Real Estate and How to Get Started, by visiting wealthcapholdings.com slash book. That's wealthcapholdings.com slash book.